to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome. Today, we're going to talk about telling the truth. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the opposite of telling the truth, lying, and kind of what happens in our bodies when we lie. Um, I'm not accusing you, Jamie or Lucy, of telling a whole lot of lies, but what happens for you when you lie? Do you have like a physical response when you're not telling the truth or you're actively lying? Does that ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. I feel it in the gut. Yeah. I think that's the, the yeah. big... <laughs> For the sure, big place in the body where oh, yeah, I, I like feel a like it. a pit mm-hmm. in your stomach, yes, kind absolutely. of absolutely, yeah, gut and kind of like mm-hmm. anxiety, yeah, anxiety, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure, yeah. I'm a terrible liar. I can't like eat or sleep if I'm like tell like in the middle of a lie. It's really hard for me to continue. <laughs> Bad <Right>. liar, right? <laughs> what about you, Lucy? Right. Yeah, not not so good mm-hmm. either. So. I think a lot of things actually do happen in the body, like physically, and that's where polygraph testing got started. And of course, it's not that reliable, really, as a measure to really determine lying, but it doesn't measure lying. It measures all the physical reactions that happen when people tell lies. And so things like increased heart rate or increased blood pressure and things like that, and they're easy to fake, right? I mean, it's easy to kind of fake a a polygraph, which is why they're not really used or not really that reliable. But even other really reliable measures like brain mapping, brain scanning, has been used to kind of see what happens to our brain and our body when we lie. So one thing that happens in our brain when we lie is that our limbic system gets activated. And so the article I was reading, it was kind of saying that when you're telling the truth, it does not light up. And when you're lying, it like lights up like a fireworks display. And so that fight or flight response really gets activated when we're telling lies. So this idea that an honest brain is pretty calm and a lying brain is really activated. Does that kind of resonate for you guys? I think we kind of talked about like where you feel it in your gut. Do you kind of feel that like fight or flight response? Oh, I I thought you were going to ask, do you feel those fireworks in your brain? Do you get fireworks? Are you a firework, Jamie? (laughs) But I think it really works on both sides, right? So not only for the person who might be telling the untruth, but for the receiver actually as well. And this is like one of the biggest motivators, you know, when I talk with with clients or think of my own life about it, I think this idea that when we speak truth, everyone's nervous system can settle, right? right. And I'm thinking like some examples that come up a lot with clients are maybe like a breakup, right? So right. you don't want to date someone when in the relationship, but you're kind of afraid to be honest about mm-hmm. it. So we kind of make excuses and we skirt around and we do this. But when we talk a little bit, and I think we can all have this sense that that when we don't get a straight answer, you can kind of feel it. Like you have this sense that something isn't quite right, that's that's not quite true. And although the truth may be painful, like there's something in that where we can all go, whoo, like, oh, okay. And it settles. For, for both parties. It settles for both parties. And we are kind of wired to expect that we're being told the truth. And so I think that that's where it can get so hurtful when we're not told the truth. And I think about even things like Big Brother, like this game show where people are lying. Like that's part of the game is to tell you, Lucy, that we're in an alliance when we're really not. But you hear these people in their interviews and they're like horrified that they've been lied to. It really, even when we're expecting it, it really breaks our trust. It really hurts. It really 
it really hurts us emotionally when we are not told the truth. Mm -hmm. Another thing about lying specifically is that when we do start to lie more and more, we actually kind of habituate to it. And so it's kind of when we think about, well, that's just a little lie of like, oh, yeah, I really like that dress on you. That's not really that big of a deal. But when we start with little lies like that, it actually habituates us. So it's easier to say the bigger lies, which that, of course, can be problematic. I think about I was my niece was talking to me about like this TikToker the other day and they were saying I lie so much that I actually lied literally about what I had for breakfast this morning. Like somebody asked me and I said waffles when I had eggs or whatever. So I think it really is. We can discount those little lies of like, oh, that looks adorable. But really, it does have this cumulative effect of making us speak untruths. So that's kind of lying. And I think there's a difference actually even between lying and speaking the truth, right? Like, or speaking untruth. So I think, for example, I could actively lie to someone, and that's, of course, going to heighten my limbic system, but even holding on, kind of like what you were saying about the breakup, holding on to truth that needs to be spoken can activate it too. So how do you guys know that truth needs to be spoken? How do you feel it? Is your body or brain kind of make you aware of truth that needs to be spoken? Hmm. Yeah, I think speaking to what Lucy was saying, when my nervous system kicks off and I feel sort of nervous about something or maybe unsettled about something, and I notice in my behaviors, like, for example, if I need to give someone feedback about Mm -hmm. something, I may talk about it to like five other people (laughs) before I go around and talk to that individual that I need to talk to because I'm nervous, because I'm uncomfortable. I'm wanting to make sure, hey, is my viewpoint valid or correct Mm -hmm. or whatever? So seeking other people's kind of like what their thoughts and perceptions are of the situation. I'll do that even though maybe deep down, like in my gut, Mm -hmm. I know that this is what needs to be said, but it may be just as hard for me in the moment. So you get like a gut feeling when it needs to be said, like you can tell, like it's, it's ways on you of this is a truth that needs to be spoken. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that doesn't just go away Mm -hmm. lightly. It'll be on my mind. Jamie, do you ever feel like you maybe like go to those other five people in hopes that someone will take you off the hook? (laughs) Someone will be like, oh, no, 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 that's not a big deal, right? Like someone can figure it out. That's on them. You're working too hard. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, please tell me that. Tell me that. But it doesn't really relieve anything, though. I mean, that's that's the thing is that even though it might be nice to hear in the moment, it still will weigh on me. It keeps tapping on the door. Yeah, Yeah, it does. And and I think that that's kind of what you're hitting in is to speak truth. We have to like know our truth first. Mm -hmm. To do that, we have to be still and quiet and Mm -hmm. like tuned in inside Mm -hmm. because that's where like the truth lives. Right. So what gets in the way, even before we have to speak it, what gets in the way, do you think, Lucy, of knowing that truth? I mean, so I think for a lot of people, and I think maybe for myself as well, sometimes it's this like pleasing, this desire to kind of please or this belief that like the worst thing in the world Mm -hmm. is to hurt someone or disappoint them, Mm -hmm. right? And that how do we like almost this valuing like harmony over Mm -hmm. truth, right? Yeah, exactly. I think I'm certainly a pleaser. And one thing, as you were just talking about that, I remember back in graduate school, we were having this like group conversation. And one of my classmates said, Avery, I feel like I could tell you that like I ran over a puppy on the way here to school and like 
like liked it and you would try to make me feel better about it. And I was like, ooh, that's not so great to like hear, like especially was as I'm in school to be a therapist where we're trying to maybe say things that people don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. So I really had to kind of like check in with that of like, oh, well, yes, I think sometimes we don't want to hurt feelings, but gosh, we could really interfere in our path, in the paths of our patients and the paths of the people around us by like holding on to that or like sugarcoating it. And I think that that, especially with pleasing, that kind of idea of like, I don't really need to pay so much attention to what my truth is. I need to pay attention to what you need to hear. And I'm just going to try to say that. That can really, really interfere. And the desire to avoid potential conflict. So I think an example that comes up for me from the wintertime. So it was like in the midst of covid Things were kind of a little more shut down, but my daughter and her cousin, my sister's daughter, who are the same age, were playing on this basketball team, and they had a practice. And the night before, my niece had kind of felt sick and maybe had a little bit of a fever. And so for practice the next day, I think I was saying, like, I don't really want to take my niece to practice because – because she was sick, right? And it yeah. was one of those where if my kid's sick, then they'll have to like quarantine for a certain mm-hmm. number of days. Like it just was this whole domino of things. And I was talking to my mom being like, oh, I need to tell Jenny, you know, my sister – that I'm not going to take grace. And I was trying to figure out like what I was going to say. So there was potential for conflict. And I sure. come from a family that is pretty loving, slightly enmeshed, but like we don't have a lot of conflict. So we don't do that very well. Mm-hmm. I don't think or very often. But my mom, bless her, was like saying, almost coming up with excuses. Well, could you say this? And could you say this? And mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 no. Like I can just be honest and say yeah. like, makes me a little anxious, right? Don't think mm-hmm. that, you know, like what else can we do as a plan B, but this quick default to kind of coming up with excuses and non-truths instead of yeah. speaking truth because of a potential for conflict. Right. And what happens when we come up with those other stories is a lot of times, because again, people are primed to believe us. So if you had said to your sister, oh, it's just not convenient, then your sister's trying to figure out how to make it convenient or, oh gosh, is Lucy too busy? And can I go help? And and we're like on a wrong path, right? Versus just like settling in. Lucy's uncomfortable. Okay. You got to keep track of all the excuses you made. Keep track of all the excuses. Exactly. And that's stressful for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Jamie? What do you think gets in the way when you have that thing that needs to be spoken? What else gets in the way for you? I think it depends on the relationship with the individual Mm -hmm. is a big piece of it. If I have relationships with individuals who don't respond very well (laughs) to feedback, kind of along the same lines as Lucy, being worried about how they're going to respond, whether that's conflict or whether it's dismissal or Mm -hmm. invalidation, then I think that will lead me to just say, oh, never mind. And then just stuff it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is it worth it? Like, is it worth the potential like headache or having to have conversations or discomfort Mm -hmm. to even bring it up? To even bring it up. Yeah. I think if you're in relationships with people, it's natural for, for people to depending on what the feedback is to at times become defensive. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when, Mm. you know, you give feedback and then that happens. And if that is a pattern, then for you, the person who is speaking truth, at least I can say for me, a lot of times it'll just be like, "Eh, I'm not going to bring this up. What's the point? Right. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, it can kind of be scary. Like if you're trying to avoid conflict or please, it can feel a little bit anxiety provoking to speak the truth because it's going to, it may make it difficult to please. It may make it likely to have conflict, but it also may feel sometimes like, what's the point? Like Mm -hmm. what, like it, it may kind of even feel like it's not worth it. If you're kind of anticipating how it's going to go. One thing I'm thinking of is that sometimes it makes it worth it 
not so much on like how they're going to respond to you, but how it feels right. for you. Kind of like what we were talking about before. Right. Is that your experience too, Jamie? That yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of an example. I can't think of something right just this moment. I give feedback a lot to a lot of my supervisees. I'm mm. I'm constantly doing that. And I have to keep in mind as a as a supervisor, what's my role and what's yeah. my goal? And it's to help them advance in their training and become psychologists. And I act as a gatekeeper. Mm. And I think students can respond in a whole lot of different ways. Sometimes it's shame and a lot of like, oh, mm. I'm, you know, I'm so sorry or I'm such an idiot or whatever. And mm. sometimes it can be like defensiveness or not really receiving the feedback. But again, like if I tune into like, what's my role here? Yeah. Um, how important is it for me to be a supervisor that speaks truth as compared to other individuals who just kind of pass pass people along in the program and not give them hard feedback? That doesn't fit well for me. And so regardless of what their response is, I know that I need to tune in and say, okay, I need to stay in touch with me being honest and having integrity as a supervisor and giving them feedback that's not coming at them from left field. It's like an authenticity issue yeah. mm-hmm. of kind of whatever the response, whether it's conflict or whether it's hurt feelings or whether it's neutral and kind of, I'm not going to take what you're saying. It's really about being authentic to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking too, like not speaking that truth. I'm I'm thinking that kind of activates that same limbic system response yeah. as lying, right? And yeah. like when you know something to be true, you know something needs to be spoken and you're trying to push it down and not speak it, it affects you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So if you know that something needs to be spoken, how do you go about doing it? It can be hard. It can be complicated. So I have a a teacher who talks a lot about this, and I think it's been instrumental in reframing like how I think about speaking truth. First of all, there's two categories, I think, of this. So one is like more benign truth, like when someone asks you to do something and you are tempted to have a white lie, like there's there's that kind of truth. And then I think there's the truth that's more about like feedback giving that feels a mm-hmm. little more like personal, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And I think with that one, this teacher- hey, Hang on one second. Uh-huh. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean. So the white lie truth would be like, give me an example. So if I said, Avery, do you want to go to dinner tonight? Mm-hmm. And I and said- you like, And you really didn't want to go? And I was like, oh no, my husband's out of town. I don't have anybody to watch- my daughter, right. when really it's just, everybody's fine. I just don't want to go. Yeah, I'm exhausted, mm-hmm. right? And I just want to, or actually, I'm just, I just want to stay home tonight. I just want to stay home. Right. So we like, so that's more like the little white lies where we, we tell a not true reason that we feel like is more socially acceptable or would be more readily received. Right. And as we were talking about before, those can kind of start to build up. Exactly. And then we're living out of truth, right? Then I haven't been honest with you, Lucy. I haven't given you the opportunity to say, oh gosh, I get it. No problem. Right. And now we've got a lie between us. Exactly. And I got to remember, ooh, John was supposed to be out of town last week. Exactly. Okay. And and you, you deny yourself the opportunity to just be tired or to right. not want to do something. Like right. what's so wrong? Right. right. With that. Right. You know, and that falls a little bit under, like, I think we were at some friends' houses last summer and one of my daughters was hungry. It was like four in the afternoon. She's like, I'm hungry. I want something to eat. And we were like at someone else's house. And I was like, no, that's rude. And all of a sudden I had to think about it later. and was like, what's wrong with saying you're hungry? Yeah. It'd be different. Maybe she like demanded that they make her scrambled eggs right then. (laughs) Right. right? But to just speak this truth, Mm -hmm. I think somehow that falls under this category too of like being polite Like I need to be polite and do these certain things that really don't allow me to speak truth about like wants and needs. And that's so interesting because I think we do that kind of stuff to try to stay in relationship with people. But I think it really 
brings us out of relationship with people. So if I'm saying my husband's out of town to protect your feelings, and then you find out later that my husband's been in town for weeks, then we're out of relationship or we're out of truth, right? You're understanding that you've been lied to, which is actually a real issue versus me just saying, Lucy, I'm tired and I want to go. And now we're still in relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And same if your daughter was at my house and she doesn't tell me she's hungry and then she goes home and is like, I'm starving all afternoon and then she's crampy and irritable. (laughs) Like, oh, that feels sad. Yeah. Yeah. So then we have like that category. And then I think of this other category of things where, Jamie, kind of like what you're talking about with supervisees or we're like interpersonally giving someone else tough feedback and Mm -hmm. speaking truth in a relationship. And I think what this teacher has taught me is how do we do that in a way where our intention is to leave both ourselves and the other person in their greatness. That's right? right. So I think a lot about this with clients, right? I think sometimes one of our jobs as a therapist, right? And the same teacher talks about the idea, like people don't sign up for this, for like mutual masturbation, right? You <laughs> could come in and be like, oh, that class was great. Or you're the best therapist or uh-huh. you're awesome. But like we want real stuff, yeah. right? Like real currency. And so how do we, once again, speak truth? And if we have this lens of I'm going to leave this other person in their greatness, I'm going to mm-hmm. leave myself in their greatness. And that shifts it. Because it yeah. kind of takes the judgment, like the judgment caddy way that we mm-hmm. could do it. And I and I think and I'll get off my soapbox in a minute and stop talking. <laughs> but I do think that part of the problem with this too is our society has very few role models for how to speak truth well. That's right. I think we either swallow it and have this like being polite and proper, mm-hmm. or I think you get this like lambasting, very mm-hmm. judgmental, critical in your face. I'm going to like drop a comment somewhere on online, right, but right. Like, never actually talk to right. you. And so I don't think we have, I don't think we've been taught how to do this mm-hmm. other way. That's right. I think that you're so right. And I think when you kind of reflect on the times that truth has been spoken to you, even difficult truth that's been spoken to you, I think we over time really do value that. It's so meaningful. I think though, to your point, it's a lot about how it's spoken, right? And so maybe we could talk a little bit about how that's done well, like even like a step-by-step process. So I've got some ideas and I'm going to kind of talk through them, but I would love for you guys to kind of think about like when it's gone well, either for you speaking it or you hearing it, when it's not gone well for you speaking it or you hearing it, let's kind of talk about that. So couple of ideas I've had. First of all, I think we have to have it feel authentic with ourselves, right? That it really needs to be something we've reflected on, we've thought about, we've sat with it, and we've really come to understand, oh gosh, I really have to tell Jamie this thing I've noticed. It really feels imperative to my relationship with Lucy to share this truth with her, and that that feels compassionate and coming from a place of love. And this is probably the more of that second category of stuff versus real, like you just yeah. ask me what I want for lunch. Yeah, right. And me, exactly. I don't need, okay. This is like the real, the big stuff, uh-huh. the big awesome. truth. I might even call it hard truth, you know, yeah. the stuff that needs to be said. So I think first is really making certain that it's coming from a place of love and compassionate support versus like judgment or just like anger, things like that. Would you guys kind of agree so far? So good. Yeah, be, I think it definitely needs to be done with this whole air of kindness like mm. that that needs to be a huge Care. a huge yeah. part of it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then i think the next idea i've kind of had is that and maybe this is more even coming from like our therapeutic standpoint that i think it makes a lot more of an impact if we kind of like lead the person to water so to speak rather than like forcing them to drink so kind of like guiding with them like help me understand say i'm concerned about lucy your relationship i'm not but let's say i am and i'm like hey lucy tell me what's been going on in your relationship lately like walk alongside me here for a bit versus me saying well i've seen how your husband talks to you and i don't like it and i don't think it's but just more like help me understand like what's going on i find that's that 
that kind of starts the conversation versus like, I'm about to like lay down some judgment. So have you guys noticed that, that like when you're like telling a hard truth, how do you kind of start the conversation? I think I try to be as clear as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) one of the things that can get in the way of that is, not that piece of like kind of leading them before you just like wham hit them with some <laughs> hit them with some truth <laughs> your truth you yeah. know whatever <laughs> Drop I <some> think, <laughs> yes exactly but I think also too leaving out the well sorta yeah. kinda this kind of timid way mm-hmm. of of doing it I think can cause problems at least it can for me like I have to be careful of my wording and to make sure that I'm being direct but again doing it in a clear way in a kind way That's right. um where there's less room for misinterpretation. Right. Especially if it's really, really important feedback that I need them to hear. 100%. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've found that's it's almost like a new little superpower I've noticed is that usually I'll do the like, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this. And maybe I'm wrong. That rather than doing all of that, sometimes I'll say, you know, I'm going to say something and you might not like to hear it. Or this may be hard to hear. Or this may be a hard conversation. Just kind of like setting the tone of the conversation of like, this is going to be serious. Or even like couching it with, I've been thinking a lot about mm-hmm. this and this is hard for me to say, or this makes me nervous to say, to let mm-hmm. them know, like, this has been on my mind and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming out of giving feedback out of a place of concern, which I think is easier for individuals to hear. Mm-hmm. If that's the case for you, if right. it has been on your mind, if you are concerned or nervous about giving feedback versus like, wham, here you go. So like even kind of like introducing speaking the truth by speaking your truth. Like, right. I'm nervous. Absolutely. Because yeah. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, how do you speak truth sharing about your experience yes. versus like, you did this, you're mm-hmm. this way, you're a bitch, right? Like, oh, when you say X, Y, and Z, or mm-hmm. when you show up in this way, mm-hmm. like, here's what it's like for me. Because, like, that's my truth. Yeah. Right? So, mm-hmm. speaking from your own experience rather than kind of the finger pointing. That's right. the I statement uh-huh. piece. Yeah. For sure. And then I think another thing that I like to remind myself is that. In those relationships where really truth needs to be spoken, whether it's professional relationships for us with our therapy clients or with friendships, usually can happen over a course of multiple conversations. Usually I don't have to say, hey, Lucy, over the last six months, I've seen this and this and this. No, I don't. I can just kind of like. Oh, how horrible is that? Jesus, I know, right? I'm my flow chart of what I like. Right. I have a tally right. on 6 4. Yeah. Right. At 2.32 p.m. And I didn't like uh-huh. it. Right. But I think that, that it can be an installments, right? That we can kind of like open the door at the beginning and then be able to continue to come back to the conversation. Right. Versus a layaway. Like, yes. <laughs> your layaway of all, all of these huge. But I think that that's things. what often happens. Yeah. Though, right. Yeah, like, so we stuff it down and we yeah. stuff them. We stuff and we stuff, and then we reach a point where we erupt, or like it's it leaks out, yes. and we become passive aggressive, and it's That's like right. coming out sideways. And so mm-hmm. I think part of this is how do we be direct? It's like what you were saying too, Jamie. And I think of Brene Brown, and she says, "Clear is kind," mm-hmm. right? Yes, yeah, exactly. And and I think also kind of creating that like compassionate space of like trying to offer some understanding. Like, I know that I don't know the whole story. I mean, I don't live in your body. I don't live in your life. And kind of having this awareness that things that you've seen or things that you, even if it's your truth, may not be the whole story. And kind of having that flexibility, that curiosity versus like, I'm going to come and tell you about your problem. More like, help me understand. This is some a concern point I have. 
I think actually a lot can be kind of gleaned on this idea from like that assertiveness training, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, y'all can kind of help me here. I think the first step when you're trying to kind of be assertive is to give somebody an out, right? So if I'm going to say something to Jamie, like, I know you've been really busy lately, or I know in some way kind of letting you know, I, I know that there's been something that I can give you an out and or but I, I feel like in the I statement and then kind of ending with like a, an idea of a path forward of even and with this, I think it might even be like, but I'm here to talk. If you feel like you want to talk about it, I'm here. I love you. I support you. And I want to be here to help you or even like a clear path forward. If it's speaking truth in relationship about like a rupture in the relationship of Jamie, I know you've been really busy lately, but I feel like you've canceled our last four plans. This is not true, but I feel <laughs> like you've canceled the last four plans. And when we make plans again, I'd really like for it to be like honored and I'd like it to not be canceled if possible. Mm -hmm. So that there is like a path forward, I think can be helpful, especially in that interaction kind of piece. Yeah. And I was going to say right there too, Avery, that was kind of like speaking truth in a way to set a boundary, mm -hmm. which I think is one way we can approach it. And then I think another is speaking truth as a way to open the door. So mm -hmm. like with that example, like, hey, Jamie, I've noticed the last four times you've canceled. Have you noticed that? Or like, mm -hmm. what's that about? Or it's like, I'm telling myself this story that like, mm -hmm. you don't like me or I'm not important to you. Mm -hmm. Like, can we, I just wanted to check in with you. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a conversation about like sharing hard truth, but I think sometimes it can be really a beautiful thing to share pleasant truth as well. And I think when we get in this habit of stuffing, sometimes we stuff that good stuff hmm. as well. So I had an experience recently and I'm going to leave out some of the details because this isn't like entirely my story to tell, but I had an experience recently where I was at a funeral and the family did a beautiful job and they did a really touching, amazing, beautiful job of expressing grief. And it really set the tone for the entire congregation to be able to express grief. And I'm actually feeling emotional even like recalling it because they were so honest in their grief that they really allowed all of us to grieve. They allowed all of us to shed tears and they allowed all of us to really get in touch with and experience our grief. And it was a gift. I mean, it was a huge gift that they gave all of us. And I happened to be friends with this family. And so I, I spoke that truth to them that, hey, I've been, I just want to let you know how grateful I am for you guys just opening the door and letting us really have this emotional experience that we all needed to have. And this doesn't always happen, but I was able to get confirmation that they really needed that. That, that was really helpful for them to hear that for a lot of different reasons, but that it really landed for them. And I think about like, that's something I could have stuffed and may have, may have stuffed actually in the past. Cause I would, Oh, they've got so much going on. They don't want to hear from me. Like this funeral was not about me. I should, I could have stuffed it and nobody would have been the wiser, but gosh, I'm so glad that I didn't because it was really meaningful to them. We think so much about the hard truths that need to be spoken, but I think oftentimes those good truths maybe, or real truths can be really, really helpful to speak to. I wonder, do you guys have experience with that? Yeah, I think, and we'll talk about this when we get to the gratitude <laughs> podcast that's going to be coming up here soon. I think that that's something that we'll talk about, like the importance of sharing some of the positive experiences that you have with mm. people and how how much that fosters connection, sure. really, and the sense of belonging, which I'm sure like the family that you're talking about, I, I'm sure that they greatly did appreciate that. It probably put them in a place of it's not just us as our family on this island mm -hmm. going through this alone. Like it's also we're sharing this with everybody else and it's easier to be able to be lifted up, I think, when you are 
or not feel so alone when but, you do share those things. Yeah, well, like, I think that's such mm-hmm. a, an interesting lens because, of course, like those sharing of the good, that's gratitude, mm-hmm. right? Right. Any other last thoughts on this or should we go into kind of like, do you try this at home? What do you guys Yeah, let's go for the nuggets. All right. So (laughs) nuggets, do try this at home. Lucy. So I think for me, it would be look for opportunities where you can speak truth, right? And that may require kind of tuning in and settling in and notice. And even actually, maybe my nugget will be notice those those white lies you tend to tell. And Mm -hmm. then what's it like in that moment to speak truth? Even as simple as how are you doing today? Mm. You know, we all say fine. What would it be like to respond more honestly and authentically? Yeah. It was like slow down and check in. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I would say pay attention to your tone when you give feedback Mm. uh, or when you are speaking your truth. If we can do it in a gentle, easy manner, I think it helps settle your own nervous system. It'll help the person Mm. on the receiving end of it. So I think the tone of voice is very important. Mm. To the how. The how. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's kind of like, you know, at the airport, they say, like, if you see something, say something. Kind of feel like (laughs) if you know something, say something. Right. If you really, if it like Jamie, you were saying before, like it kind of keeps tapping and tapping and tapping to find a way from love and compassion, but to say it. Love that. Yeah. All right. So next time we are going to jump into this topic of gratitude. And I think that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Inspiration from the Couch.